0: In Seattle, Seattle, and you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you because we're
1: the realtors that you can trust. So go to
2: down.com
0: Sign up for The Nation News. At ronanddonradio.com.
1: Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to The Ron and Don Show. This is episode 467 now, and yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio.
3: What is up, Ron and Don Nation?
1: Hey, coming up on The Ron and Don Show, I just read an article, are real estate agents ripping people off? And as a real estate agent, I can tell you yes, and we'll tell you why. Also, remote working, the CEO of Microsoft says, hey, this is the reason why long-term this is not going to work. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. A number of years ago, Ron and I are in Oakland, California, because we couldn't afford to live in San Francisco. Lived on a place called Lake Merritt, uh, which is very popular now. It's, uh, it's really...
3: I oak- think it was popular then. Yeah. Always been popular. Yeah. Beautiful part anyway, of Anyway,
1: we get on the BART, we go to work, and one day we got on the BART, and we went to see Elton John. Elton John was there with Billy Joel, and it was like being at a dueling piano show. The interesting thing was... Elton would sing Billy's song sometimes. Billy would sing Elton's. They would sing them together. It was supposed to be a ninety minute show. I did not want to go go. I was dating a girl at the time, and I think you were there, Ron, and we were in the Raiders luxury box because we we were for the Raiders at the time. And and the neck I don't know how this happened, and I might have been a few beers in, but I'm someone handed me a big lighter. I have Elton John glasses on. I'm standing on a chair. I think i yeah. I think I kissed someone that wasn't my girlfriend. I think it was Ron. And, huh. and we were we we all had our lighters going. It's before you would have phones doing that whole thing. I have to say, from what I remember, I had more fun at that concert than any other show I've been to. I fell in love with Elton John. And growing up, I'd played, you know, some of his songs on my guitar, but I was kinda of ashamed I wouldn't tell anyone. After that, man, I just I crocodile rock all the time. All the time. You like mm-hmm. a, a G, it goes to an E minor, it goes to an A minor, a D7 sus, right to a D, walk it to a 9, a 7, and then back to a G. That's Crocodile Rock right there. With the shuffle beat, you know I know it. And when I get to the, yay, yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah. anyway, anyway, Elton John is on his farewell tour. I wonder if this will be like Cher because she has been on a farewell tour for 30 years, and when she runs out of dough, she just jumps on the farewell tour again. I look on my Instagram feed the other day and there is Ron in Elton John glasses with a very pretty friend. And she has Elton John glasses on and Boas. Yeah. And, and I thought I recognized her. And the reason I recognize, I, when, when I was on the dating apps, I'm not on them anymore. I would just sit there cause it's a numbers game. And you just sit there and you you slide right, slide right, slide. Do you ever do that? Right, 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 right. That's
3: like Rob Grumcrafty Along the question. way, you have
1: to be careful because you, you are going to slide right on people you're not attracted to. I have slid right on men. And then every once in a while, like I slid right on Tina Knoll, who used to be our uh, executive producer. <laughs> and I freaked out because I slid right. And, and then later on, your brain goes... That was Tina Knowles, your executive producer. So I had to reach out to her and go, "Hey, I think I just slid right on you." Ron is at the concert, and then you, slid, you, I, I, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I, I think this is someone that lives in your sphere," and let her know I apologize for sliding right because she I, laughed about it. We, we I have just, slid right on my friend Laura before swipe my, right.
3: Swi- what you didn't slide right? You're swiping right. I'm swiping right.
1: Do you ever do that when you're? Of course. you if you've been on the. You, you, sure. It's a numbers game, so you just sit there and write, 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 yeah. write, write, and you just know. Hey, there's going to be some guy named Jebediah who's 69 years old, who's down and he was on Tinder and he was uh, maybe dressed up in a dress for some reason because he likes wearing dresses, and you slid right, not knowing or swiped or, or right, swiped right. Yeah. yeah, not knowing. So, so anyway, I did that. But back to the story. We i heard elton john was in town for a couple nights and 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 i haven't gotten any reports was it was it spectacular and where did you get the glasses
3: it was uh this was a uh an ex-girlfriend of mine and we're still friends and okay she, she got the last minute ticket uh day of the show and so she texted me like hey my uh, the person i was going to go with got sick do you want to go to the show and i'm like of course so i stopped by archie mcphee's and i bought uh, elton john glasses we got sunshine like these big sun things and purple wings and <laughs> feather boas i was like hey, i might as well go have a good time so went down i was into tacoma dome and so i looked him up on wikipedia before going to the show uh, sir elton john i think his name is reginald uh what's his last name reginald something the real uh
1: what is elton john's real name
3: reginald something
1: elton elton oh.
3: Elton Hercules. That's so, a great name. That's so, better than Elton John. I kind of like Reginald. So he's 75, and I was like, oh, man, how is this show going to go? Do I really want to watch a 75-year-old? I got to say, uh, he was spectacular. Was he? It's a great show because he, he couldn't – his mobility down a little bit uh, when he's off of the piano bench, but he spends most of the time on the piano bench. Um, his voice is great. He knows his range so he doesn't try to hit the high notes. He has some of his backup singers, like when they did Crocodile Rock, they would come in, or the audience comes in yeah, during that sad. part. A Rocket Man, he doesn't try to do the high parts anymore, but the stage show's phenomenal. He's going through his band. This is the part that really got me. He's going introducing everyone in the band. This is original drummer for this tour. He's been with Elton John for 52 years. Wow and and he uh introduces him he's going through the band and the guy he's got to be mid-70s if not 80 years old he's wearing two foot joy golf gloves to give him a better grip on his sticks not playing hard but really in the pocket knows what he's doing and then he had two other percussion players bass player guitar player keyboard player in addition to to him playing piano and um there was only three songs that were deeper cuts Every song, because I was like, I don't know this one. I'm not a huge Elton John guy, but every other song you know every word to. Candle in the Wind, Crocodile Rock, Rocket Man, um, your song. Does he do
1: Candle in the Wind? Because he said after. He did Candle in the Wind. Lady And he Diana? has all this
3: uh, Marilyn, but the original version, he has this Marilyn Monroe. It's the new movie with Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Then he also, at the for his encore. Because
1: he wouldn't sing it for a while because of Diana. Right. So He'd he did a special
3: it. version for her, but he did uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Like an incredible body of work. Were you singing along? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. And the sound, it, you know, what? and I said this to the woman I was with, I was like, this show is done by professionals. Like, the sound is impeccable. The stage show is impeccable. You could tell the, road, the musicians, every, like, all the instrumentation, everything. It's just, these are pros.
1: Yeah, like, you hear a Maroon 5 show, and you're like, what song? The, the song, it could be a hit. And you don't even know that it's a hit because it does, it, it, because they do so much to their music in the studio. Yeah. When they go out and do it live, they, they can't reproduce that. And, and he can't. And, and, and that's unusual.
3: So. Yeah. It, so he sounded great. Uh, I was impressed with it. Um, people were, a lot of people were dressed up. Oh, the encore. He does uh, Dua Lupa, I believe it. Dua, Lu- Dua Lupa, I believe is her name. A huge star right now. She's did a remix with it's two elton john songs and so he did that as the encore with a video of her singing her part behind it was uh it was phenomenal i think and your so phone's going on my right? phone
1: it might be dua lupa yeah that's
3: it's, that's not the right song. It just started playing. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Do a, a Leepa. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean, that, that's hilarious. If you don't think our phones are listening to us, right? Ron has his headphones on. He's speaking into a microphone. His down. His 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 phone was down on our console, and it just started playing that. That is that is, is, a, that that is, is amazing. Funny. So so did it sound? You got it.
3: So this was the. Uh, this was the encore it might i think it takes a second for it to come in but it's really and the crowd was going crazy it was yeah it was good Stand by, because he brings in a different Elton John song for the hook.
0: Oh, no, no, no. This
4: is I said.
3: You, you could spin to that song totally it was great
1: that'd be about a 72 bpm I can just tell so yeah my no, that, that, is, that is really good he's a very good collaborator and again he's he's on a sober journey and he can still be uh you can still be a jerk he'll say yeah but but he what has helped is all the counseling that he's been through is it helps him recognize that and 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 change his behavior And there was be-
3: one song where they did a montage of his life and they interlaced some of the scenes from the movie about him yeah and it, it was in- astonishing it's amazing
1: that he used to hide behind his outfits because he was so afraid and ron and i used to do top 40 radio when ricky martin was pretending for instance to not be gay because he was so afraid he was going to lose his audience and what happened with elton john is when he finally revealed that He he couldn't he couldn't believe that a top forty audience, which would be a lot of straight women who love men, he he was really amazing. I know that Ricky Martin was too. That 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 the fans people embraced him, him. and a lot of
3: men embraced him as well. Yeah, they embraced. It was it was a great show. I'm glad I went. Um, It was better than I expected, and uh, it was fun being in the in the Tacoma Dome. The light rail comes right there now, which I didn't realize. Did you take
1: the light rail? No,
3: because I didn't know. But like two blocks away from the T Dome, you can uh, jump off a train.
1: Yeah. That's cool.
3: Better than Billy Joel? I was not at that Billy Joel show. You're misremembering that. The show we saw in Oakland was just Elton John. The Billy Joel Elton show, you went, and I did not go to that show. Okay. Uh, But, yeah, we're getting to the age now where we're correcting each (laughs) other. I'm sure sure the truth lies in there somewhere. (laughs) I wish I would have gone to that show because I regret not going to the show. Yeah. The duel, But I did go to Paul Simon sting when they did the same thing because that was a trend for a while yeah
1: it is, it is cool when they do you know he's the best at it make fun of him all you want but he's great it's justin bieber he's a great collaborator and he does a really good job of taking the top 40 genre mixing that with rap uh and also embracing a lot of latinos he's very very good at it it's very you 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 listen to some some of the music that he does where he has four or five different artists uh and they're never in the studio at the same time they just mix their track, and then they mix it together. It's I really cannot
3: cool. do Despaccio one yeah. more time. You can't? I know it's a huge hit. I do not. I can't abide. It's yeah. a good song. It's me. Great song. I'm done with it.
1: It is you. Yeah. All right, more more, more coming up. Don't go anywhere. See you yeah. in 60. Hey, you guys, I want to thank everybody that's stopped by Les Schwab over the past 10 years, and you've helped fight hunger. That's right. They're doing it again at Les Schwab. They have a big campaign going on, and we want you to be a part of it. Ron, it's brought to you by Aramark food lifeline and they're teaming up with Les Schwab to help everyone out this holiday season right yeah, it could
3: not be easier to help folks in our own communities with food insecurity you can do a this a couple of ways number one is uh, when you're at the store pick up some non-perishable food items take them to your local Les Schwab, they will have a big box in the lobby, you can put the food in the box. Number two, if you're lazy, like me, and you don't feel like doing that, you can just pull in when it when it comes to mind, maybe you're listening to this podcast in the car, and you see a Les Schwab up the road, pull into the parking lot and just give them cash out the door, you don't even have to get out of the car. Number three, you can call them if you want to do it uh, over a credit card. Alright, so if you're like if you've been impacted by food insecurity in your life, and you're doing a little bit better this time, they're round uh why don't you help out with food lifeline and les schwab and Airmark.
1: yeah there you go my son and i go every year we fill up a box and it's something that's great to do with your kids you guys because they understand then just how valuable uh food is and how fun it is important it is to help people in the community les schwab they've been doing the right thing and we get to partner with them since 1952
4: To say Andrea Mickelson's life is crazy is an understatement, and when it was time to sell her Sammamish home, she admits she was just overwhelmed.
2: There was no way that I could even begin to try to figure out what needed to be done.
4: Andrea had heard all about how Ron and Don do far more for their clients than other realtors, so she gave the guys a call. They immediately jumped in, advising her what she should consider doing, where to spend her money, and where not to bother to get the highest asking price possible.
2: It was absolute relief. I felt that they could take on all the stuff that I needed to have done.
4: The guys took over, leading a small army of experts who dramatically transformed her home inside and out. But Andrea admits even though the market's smoking hot, she worried a bit about how she'd do. Now she didn't have to wait long after it went live.
2: So the first offer was 200,000 over the the asking price
4: and the offers kept coming. Andrea was blown away when they finally settled on a selling price.
2: They got $450,000 over the asking price. It was amazing.
4: Suffice it to say, Andrea is thrilled, and she hasn't stopped recommending Ron and Don to her friends and family since.
2: I'm Andrea Mickelson, and thanks to Ron and Don, I got way more for my door.
0: You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All
1: right, you guys, welcome back to The Ron and Don Show. Something I'm really curious about, I went to see my doctor, uh, Dr. Ansong the other day, who's my dentist, and he's in the Columbia Tower, and you're not going to believe this, I got off at the wrong floor.
3: No, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, and I got off at this floor, and I'm looking around, and I'm peeking through the windows, and and there's no one in these offices. Uh, then I got off on another floor where his office is and their office is packed, but the other two offices on the same floor, they've been torn out. There's nobody in those offices in the Columbia tower. Here's my question. Cause we look at Amazon, we look at South Lake union. We know that Paul Allen acquired a lot of that property, built most of it. It was supposed to be taken over by Bill Gates. That's why he initially brought over his foundation. They were also going to build Seahawk stadium down in South Lake union, right on the shores there where you see the museum. And then they were going to build everything that they built. And so it was going to be this community. So Paul Allen tried to get that stadium built, University of Washington. The neighborhood said no, because we don't want the traffic that we get on Saturdays. We don't want that on Sundays too. And he was willing to redo the whole stadium because he grew up you know, watching his dad there. Or, or he went there with his dad and they watched Husky football, which he loved, the late Paul Allen. Uh, tried to do it South Lake Union, couldn't. So then he went down to the stadium district and the rest is history. They took down the Kingdome. And so, anyway, his mark is on South Lake Union. But the interesting thing is, he didn't lease out all those buildings to Amazon, who finally left the hospital up on the hill in Capitol Hill and came down. Amazon stepped in and they bought a lot of these buildings. So, if they didn't buy all this real estate, I would bet at some point Amazon would say, and they're doing this a lot. They, they're not only are they doing a lot of things like Boeing has done now out of the state of Washington. But what Amazon has done is they've migrated. And we see this with a lot of people that are moving here to work for Amazon. They're working on the east side. HQ2 is really on the east side. And what happens when you have an Amazon, then you have everybody else. Here comes Google. Here comes Facebook. Here comes everyone else because they want to be able to pick off your workers. So what do they do? They 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 make sure that they have a presence around your campus because uh, they really appreciate the five years that somebody worked in Amazon and now you're going to treat them better. Maybe have a startup, something like that. So it's unique that they own the real estate here in Seattle. What's also unique is Microsoft, instead of moving to Seattle, said, "You know what we're going to do? We're going to reimagine this campus." So they've been reimagining the campus. You've seen a lot of construction over there. They've worked a lot on 520. Especially around Exit One Forty Eight, to make sure that it's easy, easier for people that live and work and play on the and east even the side.
3: Footbridge across yeah. the Five Twenty. Yeah. That's
1: all. That's all about taking care of the folks from from Microsoft. What's interesting is I went to meet a client there the other day, and there's a lot of people that are not at Microsoft. South East Union is beginning to come back, but it's struggling to do so. The example that I just gave with the Columbia Tower and and being a lot of office space open there. Ron, a lot of people have learned, I want to stay home and I want to work. Nobody's staying home, though, you guys, because every time I try to drive, it's bumper to bumper! I thought you were staying home, remote working! I think everybody is out goofing off. Anyway, the CEO of Microsoft has come out and said, what? And uh, he's feeling like, and I think a lot of people are feeling this way, that the long-term strategy of remote working, maybe we need to rethink our work lives, but to think, I'm going to stay at home and be creative, and I am going to help this company move forward. Uh, some people feel like it's a fallacy, and you don't end up getting people's best work. You end up, well, with some work. So
3: He, he of course, wants to look at the data, but a couple things he said uh, I really like. Uh, Number one is that he's saying you can go half and half now. If you want more than half and half, you have to get that approved by your supervisor. And he also said, we're not going to install tracking software. So the big trend, I think eight of the top 10 biggest tech employers right now have tracking software on their their employees meaning that they can track your keystrokes they track how long you spend on each individual email it tracks when you're logged in when you're not logged in Mm. if uh, you know if their mouse is not moving it knows the actual time that you've spent uh, logged into the company system and so he's like microsoft we're not tracking your keystrokes he's like that breeds a culture of mistrust it does not align with how we want to treat people. I do not want to surveil you. He's like, that gives you a lot of data, but it's the wrong data. Yep. And I agree with him on that. I don't think people, adults, do not want to be surveilled. You don't want to have your keystrokes counted each day. Uh, and But he said, to make up for that, we try to be extremely clear on what the goal is. And extremely clear, you're on this project. Here's your deadline, this is the expectation, go. And so if one week you're working, you work 20 hours, but the next week you work 60. He's like that he didn't say that, I'm saying that last part. Like it appears like that's the philosophy. So like, hey man, if you're golf, if you're a golfer and it's beautiful weather and you've got a round of golf in the first thing in the morning on a beautiful day, That's your business as long as you meet your deadline, as long as you meet your goals, and you understand what the project entails. I think that's what people really want. You have a kid, you need to take your dog to get groomed. You got to pick up your son at the at school. Like those are the sort of things where you don't want your employer going, Why were there no keystrokes on your computer between, you know, 315 and 345? It's like, well, I was picking my kid up from school. I get off my back.
1: Yeah. And, and and I think what is interesting for us is we show people a lot of homes. They aren't necessarily looking for the first and foremost, when you would stage a house. If you had a little extra room somewhere or an odd closet off a primary, you might put a crib in there or a play-and-pack or a pack-and-play. Uh, you set it up for a child because uh, people, especially buying starter homes, maybe you're thinking about having children. It's not that way anymore. If we, if we have an extra space, we'll put up a desk. If we have two extra spaces, we'll put up two extra desks. So people are really loving being at home. And what I've noticed here, and especially with the rentals that I have, cause a lot of people will come to Seattle to work at Amazon. The schedule is usually this, they go to work about twice a week. And then the rest of the time uh, they're here or they're at one of the rentals and they're working. Uh, but then they're also out playing a lot and having a good time and enjoying the city, uh, which I love as well. Do you think there's room for that? A couple days at the office, I do that's the time at home. And then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm out and about. And I haven't
3: been to our office for longer than five minutes in a year, probably. Yeah. And like, we're doing just fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, and I think it depends on the kind of work that you do, right? Sometimes like I have a friend who, who works at the corporate office of Starbucks and to really sit in a room and she's on a, a creative team to create. Yeah. You need that time alone. But but she really needs time to be around the team. And it's different when you're creating. We even know this. Like, we're going to meet tomorrow and revisit our year this year of our real estate business and our podcast business and our rental business and Airbnbs and all that. But then also look forward as we have been. We had a number of meetings. And, Ron, you're like, hey, it's important that we get, we get face-to-face when we do this. Let's not yeah, do this on a, a Zoom di- call.
3: Different energy when you're in a room. Uh, you turn your phones off, and you got a whiteboard, and you just, for us at least, that gets a good result.
1: It's like you just brought it on John. You you can listen to that song on the radio or on Spotify, and it's amazing, but there's something about when you're at that show live, right? And I think it would be the same way in our work lives, too. Don't go anywhere, you guys. We'll see you on the other side of this.
3: Hey, it's Ron here. I'm with Mitch Weeks. Uh, You hear him on the podcast, Mitch.loans. Mitch, interest rates seem high right now. Is the housing market imploding?
0: No, it isn't. Especially in big markets like King County, Seattle, where we live, there's still a lot of people making a lot of money who want to buy. There are some buyers who are a little skittish who are waiting for things to drop, but as soon as they see a little drop, they're going to pounce. So the most I can see in the short term is a tiny little drop. It's still a great time to buy. And with rates expected to drop in the next two years, then you can refi out and just be in the house that you purchased for a bit of a steal right now without the competition.
3: Is there a way for me to get a better interest rate than what I see when I look it up online?
0: There are. There are a lot of solutions. We're talking about adjustable rate mortgages. We're talking about interest rate buy-downs and a lot of really creative things that uh, we lenders like to do in markets like this to save money. It
3: sounds like if I'm a buyer, I should not be in freak-out mode.
0: You should not. No, you should keep looking and you should be... grateful that you have an opportunity finally in this market to be a little patient and have a little power.
3: All right. Reach out to Mitch. Mitch Mitch.loans. Set up a meeting. Mitch.loans. Let's get you in the buying pool right now.
0: All right, you guys. Welcome back
3: uh, to the Ron and Don show
1: before we get out of here today. uh, There's an article that just came out that ripped real estate agents. And I have to be honest, as a real estate agent, I agreed with most of it. (laughs) And the article is this, are real estate agents ripping people off? And I have to say that they are. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there, but we run into ones all the time that are ripping people off. Ron, what, what, what say you, where did you land on this article and... Are real estate agents out there ripping people off?
3: Well, this this is arising because there is currently a class action lawsuit working its way through the American court system that basically says that. It, and I need a little background to set this up. If you haven't bought it or sold a house in a while, so when your master statement comes out of who pays what in fees and and distributes uh any money left over and pays off the mortgage and all that there will be line items for the compensation for the brokers and for the last several decades if not longer for a long long time those compensation numbers for the brokerages come out, both of them come out of the seller's side of the ledger. And so this is on a, if you've never seen a two column accounting sheet, um, you you know, you have a buyer on one side of the the sheet, seller on the other side, and all the numbers have to line up at the bottom to equal $0 to, you know, equal 100% of the money that was in the system. And so when people saw this line item, they're like, why am why is that coming out of my, if you're a seller, why is the buyer's compensation for the agent coming out of my side of the ledger? And people were angry about that. And so just as background, the reason for that uh, is in the way the industry evolved is because most people, the vast, vast, vast majority of buyers were, would struggle to get their down payment number. So let's say you want to put 20% down, you're buying a million dollar house, you have to have $200,000 in cash uh, to, to avoid uh, private mortgage insurance. And so and to get a better loan rate. And so people then on top of that, did not have extra cash to pay the commission or pay the compensation for their buyer's broker. So what the industry did, again, years and years and years ago, is they said, how's about we bake that into the sale price so that the buyer can finance that money, build that into their loan. And so included in that million-dollar list price is this built-in way to pay the brokerage that represents the buyer. And it's financed over 30 years into the loan. And so all of the comps, all of the sales in your neighborhood, all of the appraisers, all of the lenders, all of them are playing this same game of like, okay, we get it we're building it into the loan, it's baked in there. And as a as a function of how the accounting works, the accounting is going to come out of the seller side, but the buyer is giving them that money. So the buyer takes out a loan, gives the money to escrow. And basically, tax on this, this compensation fee, and it comes out of that side. So hopefully I've explained that well. But when you get the paper, when the seller gets the paper, both of those uh, costs are on your side of the ledger. So within the last couple of years, there's been a class action lawsuit where they sellers have bound, bound together and said, this is not fair. Why? Why should we pay this? Because there is this is an adversarial relationship. The buyer is trying to buy my property for the lowest amount they can with the fewest can or the most contingencies possible. I'm trying to sell it for the most I could possibly can with the most protections possible. So These inherently are adversarial. We don't think that should be right. And this is not very transparent. The way this is set up is very confusing. So now, as this is working its way through the court system, the courts are indicating that there is some merit to this claim. And I agree with them. It has been confusing. And you can see how long it just took me to explain why it is the way it is. It's inherently confusing. And so there needs to be a mechanism to make this more clear. And so right now, what's happening in the Northwest MLS is they've jumped out in front of this and said, we're privately owned, the our MLS, so it's not a part of this class action suit because we're not, uh, not a public company. As they said, we're just going to preemptively change the way we do it in the Pacific Northwest. And so this just happened in the first part of October. It's changed. And so I just explained this to a client yesterday. Now, uh, sellers, you have to go through with great detail and give them the option of how they would like to do the compensation. And so it may be so to your point, it was were things being ripped off? Yes, when agents wouldn't explain this, they would just come in. And for a lot of people just say, you know, there's 26 pages you have to sign today, and they wouldn't disclose what was happening or how it worked. They would just send somebody a big document to sign, and they would go through and sign everything. And then when they got that final settlement, they would go wait a minute, I didn't agree to this. And it's like, yeah, you did. Here's what you signed. It's like, but nobody explained that to me. So that part of the case I do think has, has merit.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of real estate agents don't want to talk about that issue. They don't want to talk about the compensation. And I will tell you, I see real estate agents sometimes get paid an astronomical amount of money that they shouldn't get paid. And the reason they shouldn't get paid is that that amount of money uh it is is because they haven't done any of the work. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, like my neighbor next door, Kevin. When they brought his house to market, it's still on the market, by the way. If you like to to uh, to buy it, but there's a there's a family member that is selling the house for him. I hope they gave him a break on the compensation because. There is no deferred maintenance on Kevin's house. He's been retired for a number of years. He takes all that en- extra energy. He works in the garden. He works on his home. It's an amazing home. All this real estate agent really had to do is list the house, put up a sign. And, th- and then is that really worth the thirty or $40,000? It's not. Not in my mind. But let's say you go over to Kevin's house. You're like, wow, this thing is not ready for sale. We're going to have to work on this. Like We just worked on a house in North Seattle that's for sale right now. That had deferred maintenance on it. And we had to paint everything. We had to do the entire yard. Uh, we had to do an entire cleanup. We had to replace all the appliances. When you're doing that, that takes a lot of time. And because of that, and, and the people that you're having to bring in, uh, and you have to be really careful about quote unquote calling you a project manager. But in, but in a sense, that's what you're doing. To me, yeah, that, that is worth the compensation, whatever the percentage is on that home. So this is what I encourage people to do. Talk about it. Negotiate. If, if, if we ever do a deal, negotiate with us. When people ask us about it, I'm, I'm like, I can defend it because we're going to do this amount of work. This is the amount of time it's going to take. I, I, I think about we, we just sold a home out of Seattle. And initially, when we started talking to this couple, we got some pushback on the amount of compensation that we wanted. And then when we just got done with the deal, because it's taken almost eight months uh, since we started that deal, he felt like we didn't get paid enough because <laughs> it was a lot. And then when you haven't gone through a real estate transaction in a long time, you just don't know. So make sure whether you're dealing with us or anyone else, have a conversation about the compensation, not only for the agent representing you, but the agent that's going to bring a buyer. I will tell you this: they'll be and,
3: an- and kind of just jump in real quick there. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of times that people said, Hey, Ron and Don, I trust you. Just tell me what to sign. Don't do that. Don't do that. Even if you do trust Ron and Don yeah. and you followed us for years learn, and- learn something. Yeah. Like Be this yeah. is your money. Yeah. So like take a minute and go explain this contract to me. What am I signing? Yeah. How do you get paid? How does the other people get paid? What is this going to cost me?
1: You do practice contracts with people? Yeah. Who do you do practice uh, contracts with? And and why do you do that? Because I've never seen another agent do that.
3: Well, just because I want people to understand this stuff. Uh, It it is a significant amount of money. When when again, we bring this up to the house we just closed in Green Lake, when they bought that house, it was probably $200,000 if that, and then you're selling it for over a million. Like, that's a lot of money.
1: 18, 189
3: <laughs> and so, Yeah, so it's like you should know what has changed in the interim yeah. and how this works and that you're signing a legal document, and you could get sued if things go. That's the thing that people think uh, to where I think there's a lot of value to, for the compensation. When you have a good agent like like me and like Don, the fact that you don't get sued is – worth a lot of money yeah. because you do not want to be in a, in a real estate lawsuit and be why, paying why, why do, $500 an hour. Why, your why do
1: the big, big brokerages out there, why don't they want to talk about this? Because the, the, the big brokerages don't, don't want to have this conversation. It's I'll uncomfortable. tell you why, because the, the, the big brokerages, they get a split of your commission, right? And the more commission you make, sometimes the bigger split they get, or if it's a set split, they want you to be able to at least sell enough real estate, get big enough commissions where you can at least meet the split. There's, there's a lot of agents that go through the course of the year and they never meet their split. They never do it. So it's important for them to defend it. And sometimes they defend it by not talking about it. And by not talking about it and hoodwinking people, I just think that that's wrong. And I think real estate agents and brokerages that do that are ripping people off. It is a conversation that should happen sooner rather than later. And it's a compensation. It's a conversation that everyone should embrace. And also think about the other side and, wh- in, and what kind of compensation there should be. I, I will say, if there's not compensation for the other side, they're not going to sell your home. Agents aren't going to bring people. They're not going to look at. Uh, so it is important. Important to understand the value of the comp- compensation as well.
3: And how the game, how it works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, that that's important too. If you'd like to talk about it and talk about compensation, let's talk about it. Ronandonssitdow.com. That's ronandonsitown.com. And you can reach out to Ron directly if you want to do a practice. Ron at Ronandon.com. You might learn a lot. I think it's cool, especially when you're a buyer and you do this practice because there's a lot of heat. That comes. Or if you're a seller and all of a sudden there are people multiple people, let's say that want to buy your home and you haven't felt the pressure before, it's better to practice that pressure. And then when you start seeing all these forms, you know what a form 17 is, right? You know what a 22 T is. You know what that is. You know what escalation means. You know what that means. You know what it takes to go mutual or what is pending, what is pending versus sold. Like you'll know that because you've practiced that is the buyer or the seller. Uh, and that'll place you in a stronger position. Knowledge is power, you guys. And uh, my managing broker, Ron Upshaw, can help you. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, Don at RonandDon.com. Ron is at RonandDon.com. We're on our socials, mostly Instagram and Facebook. Ron's on Twitter. Find me, Don O'Neill, and Don O'Neill34. On Instagram, we are He's, not
3: on TikTok.
1: Signed up for our newsletter or parlor, man. I or any not, of those. Homie don't have time over here.
3: True social, don't have an account.
1: Hey, uh, for our uh, the voice of the show, my son who recorded this when he was eleven. He's twelve now, going to be thirteen. His voice is shifting. You notice that? I
3: think he did it before eleven. I think <laughs> it was more like when nine, was nine
1: maybe. Yeah, uh, Charlie's dog, Ron, and myself, and and we really got to thank uh, El- Elton the, John, the general Elton Reginald. John. And also, Dwight. Paul, who helps uh, engineer the show. for Yeah, shout out to Paul. Yeah, shout out to Paul, who's in Ireland, right? He, he is. is. Yeah. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 468. It'll be here before you know it. It's is the Ron and Don Show.
2: Only on the Ron
1: and Don Radio Network.
0: Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time.
2: Only.
0: Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.